Blog Talk Radio. All powers to the people, African power to an African people. It's your brother, uh, National Chairman Yang and Krumah, People's Black Panther Party. Man, it's good to be back. You know how we do uh, with the periodic, with the radio program. But this time we hope to be consistent and hope to have a little more frequency in coming at, coming at you, being able to deliver not just informative, not just informative radio programming, but also something that will be, uh, you know, very, um, let me see, inclusive, that we're looking for the participation of the masses of people, of our brothers and sisters, to be able to come on. We want to be able to provide that arena, provide that voice, provide that thing where people can come in and listen to and share their experiences and share with us and build with us. Like I said, there again, you're listening to Independent Black Radio, the People's Black Panther Party, your brother Yang and Kuma coming at you, trying to bring some type of enlightenment, some type of uh, information. And, you know, we no telling what we'll get on here and the people, the brothers and sisters that we have come on here. And sometimes it's even entertaining. Today's topic, today we're talking about, we're just going for free for all. It's what's on your mind Monday? With everything going on in society and everything coming at the African man and woman here with the, uh, what is it, President-elect Trump, this cabinet that he has, we can talk about that, the war, we can talk about international politics, or we can just talk about things in your city, what's, what's, what's happening in your city. Or let's talk about your opinions, your concepts, your takes on things. What do you think about this revolution? I know a lot of us are big on the social media. A lot of us have these Facebook pages and Twitter accounts, and we're in these conscious communities. So we see what other people are posting, you know, whether it be I've, – I've seen everything from just straight knowledge to straight ranting, all that. But based on the premise of revolution and empowering African people, what do you think about that? Is it – I know that um, there's another formation out there that they always – they love to say don't confuse – Rhetoric would work. I believe I'm quoting it accurately. Don't confuse rhetoric with work. What is rhetoric and what is work? What constitutes work? I hear people always saying that, oh, they're not doing anything. I don't see you doing anything. What constitutes that? What do you have to see? What do you think an effective change is? Where did change start? You know, so a lot of these things are, are good questions. Me personally, when we talk about that, we like to, I like to talk about organizations. I think me, like I said, me personally, I know that, that for me, that's where it all starts at. You know, it starts with the organization. It starts with the ability to organize, having a clear-cut goal and vision, being, you know, taking the proper footsteps and the proper measures and procedures to be able to um, get something accomplished. So when we look at organization. What is an organ? What is an organization? We look at, a, at, at the organization to the acclamation of power to be able to bring this power into position, um, fruition. And to me, that's where a lot of organizations they fell us. We have to I ask, you know, we have to ask ourselves, what are the motives for some of these organizations? Is it just to empower one one person? Is it for their egos? It's self-serving. Or do they have a clear-cut plan to empower us as an African people and in the process of empowering us, 
having a program or having programs that will take us through the day-to-day regiments of our life, understanding that the revolutionary is a type. The revolutionary or the, the revolutionary has a characteristic, and this characteristic, when a person goes through revolutionary indoctrination and has embodied this revolutionary spirit, has really taken on this revolutionary character, you should be able to see it. You should be able to know and identify your brother and sister through this revolutionary character. And I think that this is, in my opinion, of course, where a lot of organizations have failed us, that it's so much about the numbers, that it's so much about egos, that we have lost focus and vision. Our eyes, we fumbled the ball. Our eyes are no longer on the prize. In fact, when you ask a lot of these organizations, what is the prize? What is your short goal? I'm going to tell you what. Here's my challenge. Here's my challenge to the brothers and sisters out there. Informations or not informations. Before you enter formation, find out the short-term goal and the long-term goals of these formations and organizations. See if they have viable, realistic programs that really are about making an effective change. That's my challenge to the brothers and sisters. It's no long enough, like I said, you have some groups out there, they say never confuse rhetoric with work. I love that. I think that is probably one of the best slogans. In fact, I'm going to make that the slogan of the year. I really get that formation a lot of props for having that slogan. But what is rhetoric? Kill Whitey is no longer sufficient to sustain a revolutionary movement. There has to be real, applicable solutions. And these solutions, you see, brothers and sisters, should be solutions that are tried and tested. We find in the third development under the leadership, whom a lot of people call the original Black Panther Party, under uh, Chairman Bobby Seals and Defense Minister Hewitt B. Newton, they said observation and participation. So we, we, we have to get out there. We can't always be in the planning stages. We have to get out here amongst the masses of the people. But what do we find? We find ourselves recycling the same Negroes over and over and over again. This formation, brother or sister, brother or sister was in this formation, to that formation, to this formation, to that formation. Debating, trying to win over the same feeble-minded, argumentative Negroes when there are masses of people out here to be reached. But do us as revolutionaries want to rise to the challenge of first studying revolution and then disseminating the information and breaking down the information in such a manner that we can go to the everyday brother and sister in the streets and explain what we're trying to accomplish. I can tell that 
our studies as far as revolutionary theory and revolutionary practices haven't really been taken serious or at the very, or I would say, you know, because I don't know where anyone is studying, but I would say hasn't been implemented. Let me offer my critiques and my opinion on it. And our lines are open, brothers and sisters, if you want to chime in and add your opinion or your comment, some things to say, please just press 1. We'll recognize you. This is the People's Black Panther Party Independent Black Radio, where your voice is important to us. But let me offer my critiques and my opinions on, on these things. You can tell that a lot of us haven't really given out, and I say us, I'm speaking of the formations, haven't really given thought to what we're doing. You see, because we haven't constructed and implemented programs that are effective for the masses of people. We only always have events. Think about it, brothers and sisters. Think about what I'm telling you. Go back to your social media. Look on your Facebook. You will see event after event after event, survival events, gun training events, conference events, but never continue even feed the homeless events but never a continuous program that shows and that will teach the masses of people self-sufficiency. And isn't this what we're all about? Isn't this what we're trying to accomplish as a people to teach our people the ability to be self-determinant, self-determinist, to be self-sufficient, to be able to rely on ourselves and you know, when I say ourselves, our brothers and sisters, isn't this what it's about? But where are those programs? You see, it's, I'm not going to say it's easy to feed the homeless, but it's not as much accountability feeding the homeless as it is creating programs to continue to feed not just homeless or families that are hungry, but families that may have a little bit, because now what you have to do, you have to create these programs, and you have to convince the family, you have to teach your ideology of black nationalism, of African communalism, of collectivism. You have to start to teach now. You have to point out where their Eurocentric ways, their European ways, these white ways, are teaching them individualism and materialism. You basically have to go back to what we have to teach our children. You have to teach them how to share, and you're afraid of that. You and I, brothers and sisters, have become frightened to teach the truth. You see, it's easier to debate. It's no real work in debating. Why you read a few books, memorize a few lines, and you become a, a conscious parakeet. You can quote all the greats, as Dr. John Henry Clark said, Chancellor Williams said, Umar Johnson even said. And some of you Negroes ain't even reading anymore. You're watching videos. You don't even pick up a book. You turn on damn YouTube. I say smartphones have made the dumbest damn Negroes. It was up to me. I, I get rid of all that smart. You Google scholars overnight. See what's happening to us. So 
We we it's easier to debate to read a few lines in a book or watch a few videos and want to debate someone on what someone else has said as if you're an authority. But to get out here and to be inclusive, to be tolerant of your brother and sister, to be accepting, whether that brother or sister be a Christian, a Muslim or a Jew, to be accepting, to be one that teaches empowerment and liberation for all people of African descent, not just here in this nation, which would make us black nationalists, but also speaking to our pan-Africanist philosophy and ideology that we want to see this for all peoples of African descent worldwide. You see? This is, so that's the challenge. It's nothing to come in and to intimidate and bully and to ridicule and ostracize someone into taking on African mannerism or African dress. This is what we do. You still, you still eating that? You know, you still dressing like this? You still got the white man's this or that? It's easier. That's easy to do. But to accept your brother from where they're at and start to impart, or your sister, to start to impart and teach an empowering culture or an empowering understanding is far more difficult. And this is the challenge that we are attempting at the People's Black Panther Party to meet. This is what we engage, you know. This is what we do. This is why we go to the masses of people. Then again, we mustn't forget our intended targets. We get so caught up in the rhetoric and so caught up into egotism and wanting some fame, internet fame, Facebook fame, instant celebrity, that we don't, that we've lost sight of the intended target, which is the everyday brother and sister who is in the struggle, who is overwhelmed, overwhelmed by European morals and ethics and thoughts and ideas, an African forced to be European, overwhelmed. I use the example all the time. If you saw a dog, meowing like a cat, trying to climb a tree, uh, chasing mice, a dog that thought he was a cat, you would say, look at this oddity. This is a freak of nature. This is abnormal. This isn't right. Yet we've become so accustomed to see brothers and sisters of African descent dressing eating, and speaking like their European counterparts. This is not right. This is a freak of nature. This is an abomination. This is abnormal. And we wonder why our brothers and sisters go through so many problems, why we turn to self-medicating, why we turn to uh, uh, abusive behavior, because this is not right. And we understand at the People's Black Panther Party that this will not be an overnight fix. 
that this will not be an overnight fix, that this fix is a long, we're looking, we're in it for the long haul. It's the need for constructive, effective programs. These are the type of brothers and sisters that I'm reaching out to, that I would love to join me in my struggle personally in this party, but not within this party, if not in this party, then with any progressive organization, and I will extend the hand of camaraderie. I will extend the hand of allegiance. I'm building that bridge to meet you there, to fight for constructive change for our people. I will do that. There again, like I said, brothers and sisters, this is independent black radio, the People's Black Panther Party. It's, we, you know, if you want to chime in, press one. And we'll let you in. If not, then you know the chairman will go on and rap because I, I, I believe passionately in this. I do this. The other thing I like to talk about, I do this for the love of it. The strongest emotion that a revolutionary should have is love. We have to stop getting it twisted. A lot of the posts have been very angry, but we have reason to be angry. Don't get it twisted now. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. I'm sipping my coffee here. We have every reason in the world to be angry, but it must be in a healthy anger, an anger that inspires change, an anger that motivates us to constructive, rational, and logical action. This type of anger, not a blind rage, not an anger that moves us to emotionalism, therefore we're easily swayed and won over by the charlatans, by the people I call pimps of black misery and black suffrage. That's what they are. These people that will get up there and constantly remind you of your position and what's happened to you and what's being done to you without offering, and that's good, but... What is the solution? If you're going to remind me what's happening to me constantly, continuously, reminding me of what's going down, then offer me a damn solution. What can I do? How can I help myself to change these conditions? But they fuel the anger. They fuel the emotionalism. And now they have you in a blind rage performing the most ridiculous acts, the most counterproductive, and in many cases and instances, counter-revolutionary acts, acts that set us back 20 or 30 years because it wasn't inspired, your action wasn't inspired by love. A love of your people, a love of Freedom and justice, equality amongst us, unity and harmony amongst us. Because anger, we're not a healthy anger. We're not an anger of motivation and an anger that encourages us to affect a, a positive change can become a like a wildfire, like some of the wildfires 
we watch on the news, it can spread out of control. And that anger is no longer just contained or directed towards your enemy, but then you become angry with your brother or sister. You become angry with people who look just like you. And the criticism no longer becomes constructive criticism, criticism for a change, criticism out of, brother or sister, I love you. This is why I offer that. Maybe you can take this advice and build from that. But the criticism becomes destructive. Look at that nickel. Look at her. Look at this clown. Then it no longer becomes their politics, their revolutionary ideology. We attack that person. I don't like that nigga. I don't like his locks or I don't like that sister. She thinks she this and that. Because the rage or this anger is manifested in the rage and it hasn't been contained. But when you are angry because you love something, see, there's a different type of anger now. You can be angry because the thing that you love is being oppressed, because the thing that you love is being mishandled, because an injustice is happening to the thing that you love. You love your wife. You love your children. You love your mother. You love your father. So if you see something happening to them, that anger overwhelms you, and you jump in the middle, apparel to your own self. You don't even think about safety to the self. You just want to stop this evil, this unjust act, this oppression that is happening to the thing that you love. This is the type of anger that's inspired, that is built from a love of your people that should fuel the revolutionary. A productive anger. Because a Anger that isn't productive is a seed that is planted. And we all know the old adage. We know the old saying. You reap what you sow. So if you plant a seed of destruction and despair, a seed of uh, despondence, darkness, non-productivity, then what is going to grow are fruits of Destruction, rage, despondence, non-productivity, and you're going to have to eat from that proof. And this is what's happening. This is what we find going down with our organizations while we can't be productive. So we're, we're, we're looking for this productivity. This is what's on my mind this month. This is something that I've been wanting to say. I, sometimes it gets so overwhelming to me, it, it, it becomes so much that I, have, I can't even get on Facebook. I get sick of reading and I physically become ill. I, I start to digest this energy and my stomach starts to bother me. My head starts swimming. I even think my blood pressure is going up. I can't. It's just something that I can't take. It's too much because I don't see a direction that any of this is going in. I see more and more hatred and more and more grandstanding. Machoism. Sisters um, venturing dangerously close to feminism. 
because we no longer lean to our political studies and logical understanding, rational thinking, but we're in our emotions. And when you're in your emotions, anything that comes to you sounds good as long as it's as long as it's on your side. This is how the devil comes. When he comes to you with your anger, as long as he's saying something on your side, your sister's mad with a few brothers, understandable. These brothers don't understand, haven't done political education, so they practice sexism. It's understandable to be angry, but you're angry, and your anger turns to rage, and the first time some white woman or some sister who has been indoctrinated or influenced by feminism comes to you and says, fuck them niggas, you're repeating that slogan, Chucked on the bandwagon, yeah, fuck them niggas. Same with the brothers. Same with the brothers. We don't understand the full extent of neocolonialism and white supremacy. That is not just white supremacy, but that is white male supremacy. So when we do away with the white supremacy, we're still dealing with sexism, a male supremacist attitude, that our women have a role to play, a position they should be in. And we start to emulate the behavior of the very oppressor who hates his woman. History bears witness to the fact that he hates his woman. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he let black people vote before he let his women vote. He hates his women so much that even in their religious scripture, he says, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He doesn't even believe in the divine feminine. He'd rather give it a uh, damn space ghost, a Holy Ghost, than to acknowledge the divine, than acknowledge Maya, that balance. A divine masculine and a divine feminine. He won't acknowledge that. He hates his woman. And we start to take on this behavior. We start to act like this. A tragedy. A tragedy. We go to, and there again, lines are open. Feel free to chime in, uh, brothers and sisters. I see we have people on the line that if you want to share, you can feel free to chime in. The other thing that's on my mind is that we don't take serious. Uh, we take serious, but we we don't fully understand or we lack the ability to, within ourselves, I say ability or maybe the willingness would be a better word, to empower our youth, to empower our youth. What do I mean by empower our youth? Not to have our young people and to tell our young people what to do, but to listen to these fresh minds, fresh ideas to listen to the new theories and practices and solutions on how they're going to tackle the future and to act as mentors and guides and to act as a mentor and guide, not an overseer or a taskmaster. We have to understand, we have to see the power of the youth throughout every world revolution. We saw it here with the inception of the third development 
the, what we call the original Black Panther Party because the core body, the masses of membership were young people. We saw it in Vietnam. The continuation of the revolution was called a protracted struggle. They understood that in order to be able to run the British out of there, the French out of there, America out of Vietnam, that they must teach revolution and make it a part of the culture for young people to embrace and come up in that so that they would teach their children that the youth were the banner bearers, the torch bearers, the ones that would further this movement. But you find many of us ostracizing and ridiculing our youth, telling them uh, what to do, how to dress. We all know that a lot of the way they dress, we have to understand what's going on with them. They're feeling, when you see as a young person, someone your age being gunned down for no reason, no other reason than being of African descent, being black, they're being gunned down. When you see this, it is a message being sent to our young people that your elders, that your parents, that your teachers, that these institutions can't protect you. So you start to see a rebellious behavior. Why should they listen to you? I mean, it's maybe if it isn't even conscious, it's subconscious. Why listen to my parents? How can you save and protect me when every time I go in the streets, I'm taking a chance of being gunned down? So we have to feel that pain. But how do you feel our young people's pain? By creating forms to allow our young people to speak. I was introduced to a remarkable sister that I'm pleased and proud to have coming over to us. The potential, I'm hoping, as time progresses and our studies progress, and our activities grow that we can look at her possibly being a national youth minister. Sister Jasmine, I'm seeing the work that she's doing, a very wonderful and astounding youth representative. Was introduced by our minister Khadija to the sister. And one of the things that I would love to see for us as a party and my challenge to other formations is to create forums for our young people to be able to address the issues that affect them directly, not the whole black world, but black youth particular and specifically. I'd love to see this. We don't hear enough of their voices. We see their anger and their outrage at the protests and the marches and the demonstrations and sometimes even in the uprisings that take place in these cities. What, 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 what our press would call riots, you know, but I'm like what Dr. King said, that he said, rioting is the voice of the voiceless. And what he said, and he was nonviolent. So even it has its place in a, should be understood from a certain perspective. But you see these type of, uh, this energy, this outlet for this energy, because there are no forums being created. Like I said, there again, we're having conventions and forums for adults to tell the youth, but not for us to sit our old asses down and to listen to what our young people have to say. 
Either we think we know it all or we're too sensitive to take the constructive criticism, and sometimes it can be brash. We understand that brashness is an attribute of youth. We were young. We were young, and we know we were brash. I know I was anyway. So we can't, we become too sensitive to take the brashness of our youth, but this should be encouraged. We should encourage them to speak their mind and afford them the forms and the security when they speak their minds. They should never have to feel alone. They should never feel our babies, our children, our future. Our continuance should never feel alone or should never feel ashamed of or afraid of to be of African descent because we have failed them, because we have failed to provide the stability and the security, to provide empowering images of strong African men and women, failed to provide stories of triumph over tragedy, over triumph over uh, uh, adversity and, and tragedy, tragedy. Because we failed to perform that, so let us with that. With our youth, let us encourage. And I'm encouraging all my chapters to start develop youth programs. And while we're talking about youth, another outstanding youth that I wish that and I hope that you would include in your prayers is uh, the young brother Alex, whom I believe is, is, is in the hospital. Please include me or a young man, very astute, very intelligent. The brother is going to get our YouTube thing up and running. I haven't forgotten about him. I'm going to speak with him on that when he gets well. So include him in the prayers. But I'm challenging, and not just, and these challenges aren't just for the People's Black Panther Party is for any formation out there that calls themselves a progressive African formation. Develop a strong youth program. Start to cultivate your youth. Let's get that together. These are some of the things that's on my mind on this Monday as, 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 as we go down this, this Monday. Defense, I think that defense is a wonderful thing. I think that is much needed. Since we just, you know, nobody put their hand up and I'm not going to put anybody on blast, I will rap. Because this Monday, I have some things on my mind. I think defense is much needed. Very important. We're the Black Panther Party for self-defense, the People's Black Panther Party for self-defense. Very important. But to understand that defense goes further than just toting a firearm or learning firearm safety. We must defend ourselves from the ignorance of miseducation and misinformation. Defend ourselves from poor health and poor eating, eating habits, bad eating habits. And a lot of times it can be helped with the what the type of groceries that they pump into our community through these so-called grocery stores, these chains 
of grocery stores and the fast food. So this goes back to defending ourselves from misinformation or bad information. Health programs. Something similar as health programs. How many young mothers now know the four basic food groups? That know what a nutrition chart is. How many of our children, I come from Cleveland, were right here in the so-called land of plenty. I watch malnourished children. These little children you see in these projects with these big pot bellies are not because they're eating all the food. It's because they're malnutrition. Right here so in, in America, the so-called land of milk and honey, you have malnutrition and poverty and starvation. But a lot of this is due we have a lot of young mothers and young fathers, young parents who don't understand proper nutrition who don't understand the importance of, uh, or doesn't understand the basic food groups and the importance of having that balanced meal. A lot of them who can't afford to have that, we're going out there feeding the homeless, but this is what I talk about, programs in our communities. Economic programs. Economic programs are not always going out here you need a job or creating jobs. Economic programs are sometimes something as simple as in your meeting having budgeting classes, learning how to budget. Shit, and you better learn it now more than any other time with Trump coming into office because these social programs are about to be cut. The three four hundred dollar food stamps you was getting about to be too fitted. They're cutting them. And as is, you have people that can't make it through the month with what they're getting. So budgeting is going to be important. Showing them how to make decent meals off of budget is important. Realistic programs. Yet, you Negroes who can't make it through the month selling food stamps for money, money for food stamps, to try to make it get on damn Facebook and holler about a goddamn cracker. Without addressing the real issues that plague us as a people. You're afraid to. It's that's that's too much like work. See, it's easy to pass the buck. It's easy to play the blame game. But accountability and responsibility takes maturity. And we have to have this maturity so that our young people will have role models to emulate. It's only natural for anything to want to emulate. Anything in nature emulates that thing that is successful, that thing that shows a high uh, probability of survival. This is what nature does. So you better believe that these things happen. Then you wonder why we have what's called Uncle Tom's, our people emulating white people, because we have failed, we have laid down, and not by just our own, um, you know, our own fruition. I will acknowledge there's been a plan. It's been a design. 
But at some point, when you know the plan is designed, how many letters of Willie Lynch do we have to pass out before we keep saying that's Willie Lynch syndrome? Well, damn, what's the antidote? How do we counter that? Let's go to our phone lines. Area code 857, last three digits, 3433. Your mic is open. Eight five seven three four three three. Oh hi, yes. Hello. Hello, yes. Hi, my name is Jasmine. Hey, Sister Jasmine, how are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm well, thank you for asking. Um, would you like to share? Well, would you I like to share? Really... With... Huh? Would you like to share something with us? Um, not at the moment. I was just going to listen. Um, I was told to introduce myself so that I wasn't, you know, being rude, but I don't really have much to say at the moment. I kind of just want to listen. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Well, anytime, what I'm going to do is put your mic back on uh, mute, and if you want to come back in, just press 1 again, okay? Okay. All right. Thank you for listening in. We'll go back to our, our, our phone lines, 3-2. I believe this is Minister Khadija. Minister Khadija. Like power, Brother Yangus. Like power. That was our youth minister, Jasmine. Um, um, I really am feeling what you're saying about the direction of our youth. Um, more importantly, I asked her to introduce herself. And I wanted her to talk about her chat group and um, her page. I really think that the sister is on fire. And um, I feel bad that I put a halt to her because, like I explained to you earlier, she wants – this girl is amazing. You know what I'm saying? Like, she's already starting to do – she's already wanting to do meet and greet with the people in her city, in her state, you know what I'm saying? And, like, I think that we as older, we as the adults, we should rally behind her. We should support her. We should encourage her to move forward with some direction, with some guidance, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to see her out there moving and operating, you know what I'm saying, and, and, and get distracted or misguided or, or you know, how people with a lot more time or a lot more experience in this formation or in this conscious community, how they, they will target her, they will attack her, they will try to destroy her motivation. So I, I want us as a party to be able to encourage her, to uplift her, you know what I'm saying? She's in her state all by herself doing the thing. Okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. Why'd you put? Why'd you pump the the You know, I told you, you and I talked about that. Don't pump the brakes on the young people. I I I pump the brakes on her because, like I said, I when 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 I first got in contact with the girl, it just made me uncomfortable that she's out there by herself. No, when I mean by herself, I mean completely alone. We don't have anybody in her surrounding city, in her surrounding area, 
So I I worry that what if she's holding one of these meeting meet and greets at this at a cafe or something, and something it's, happens it's, to it's, her. It's fine. It's fine. Fear is false evidence appearing real. She's going to be that catalyst. She's going to be that callous. She is going to be that light, that beacon. She was inspired and motivated and, 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 and so moved by the conditions of our people. And we're honored that she wants to deal with us and, and allow her to be this party. But let her go. I mean, of course, we will advise not to take any actions that will bring about a physical harm or a bodily harm or things of that nature. But if she's meeting with people and her time is here and, you know, she has that energy and that motivation, Listen, let her shine. I encourage uh, um, my youth representative, Sister Jasmine, to shine. Allow her to shine. Well, you know, I put her under your care as a mentor. You may know a little better than me, but still, allow her to shine. Don't put the binders on her, the shackles on her. Let her take off. And if she starts to venture into dangerous territory where it becomes physical, you know, um, then, yeah, we, we start to pull back. We never put in any physical harm, but as far as, implementing information, inspiring and motivating more young people, let her do her thing. Okay, so will... I will start it. Go I'm ahead, sorry, I'm go sorry. ahead. No, no sister, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Go ahead. Okay, and, so and I will start it. <laughs> go ahead. No, sir, Chairman, go ahead. No, I was just saying, and prayerfully, so what, what prayerfully will happen is as people come to hear her speak and when they hear about these dynamic works, then that that's what will grow. She will be the one that starts to grow, give us a strong presence in that area. She's the leader of that area, you know. She just happens to be the young person. She has She's exhibiting strong leadership capabilities and qualities. So we just cultivate that, we hone those things, and as the people come, we'll work with them personally to start to build a nucleus, a chapter around that leadership vision, and, and, and we'll turn her loose and let her do her thing. All right. Where's the, what All region right. is that? We'll find out what region that is anyway. She's in Boston, Massachusetts. Okay, okay. So I'll look that up and find out what region that is, and we'll, 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 we'll work with her. Okay, so, all right, so I'll let my youth minister go, and I'll let her shine. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. All right, you're welcome. I'm going to keep you a line open, minister, in case you want to come back in. We'll go to the um, phone lines again, 269-4469. I think this is our national minister of law and justice, Dr. Justice. Minister Justice. Black Power. Black Power, sir, how are you? I'm well, thank you for asking. How about you? Okay, uh, I want to say Black Power to all brothers and sisters on the line. I was listening to the, a lot of the things you were saying, and it's very, very odd that um, just what you were saying, I happened to see a, a gentleman put up a, a, what do you call that, a, a, live, a live video where he was talking about <clears throat> basically the same thing. Why is there so much garbage going on? in these black organizations. And, I mean, you and I both know we've been through this for a long, long time. But at some point, uh, at some point I think that folks need to grow up, you know, and, and recognize that certain things you can't do. But since we realize that that's not going to happen, um, 
What can we do to protect our youth? Is this live video from our old friend? Who? You said a live video just went up as as we were talking about the same thing we're talking about? Yes. Is this is this gentleman out of your area? Uh, I, I you know it's just um, incredible that people don't realize. Uh, I think I, I posted some pictures of Charles Barron. Uh, the fact that uh, there's a militia wing to the to the to the politics of the People's Black Panther Party. The the party is a political apparatus, and Charles mm-hmm. Barron out of New York, who is a Panther. <laughs> Uh, an elder pastor, but he's in going to the state's assembly now. You know, he's in the state assembly in New York, um, which mm-hmm. actually proves the very point that we are a political party. And so a lot of folks want to get off into the gun-toting aspect of it. And, I mean, you know, okay, but, again, um, we have a duty to the youth because, I mean, I'm not no, no spring chicken. I mean, I, not in this thing anyway. Uh, and I recognize it takes a lot of love. It takes a lot of love to really, because I think Shay Rivera said it best. You know, it might sound corny, but the the revolutionary is is motivated by love. And if you see mm. that that's a missing characteristic in any of your 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 comrades, you know what's going on. There's something else going on there. I'm glad you're doing this show. Um, again, it's always good to hear you on the radio and doing your thing. And I'm going to sit here and listen uh, again because I think everybody could just uh, is captivated by the way you just speak and how you drive the point home, brother. Black Power. Black Power. Thank you, um, Dr. Justin. I, I appreciate the work that you definitely do for the party on a national level. Really, honestly, you know. Um, and I have, and, and like I've said before, man, if allow me a moment to brag on my National Central Committee, but I, hands down, would put my National Central Committee up against any Central Committee. I have mm-hmm. probably the most experienced National Central Committee. I have my chief of staff is one of the founders of the New Black Panther Party, just his organized brother, um, chief of staff, brother War, outstanding organizer, um, uh, staff motivator, just everything, my Dr. Justice, you know, my field marshal, I have wonderful, wonderful people on my uh, on my staff. So I'm sorry. Give me a give me a quick moment. So uh uh okay. We find it to address that issue that Dr. Jess was addressing, like I was saying, she's absolutely right. There is a need for physical defense. But we get so consumed by that. We get caught up in the glamour of it all. It looks real good. It does. It, it, it looks, listen, I see the pictures on Facebook and I'm impressed. Nice big machine guns, especially in the day and time where we're being gunned down mercilessly for no reason. When we're in a day and a time where it feels like there's no defense, it's nice to see these big, beautiful African men and women with these guns and standing so stonic and staunch and fierce. That looks good. But if we become, after we get past, like I told you, like I like what they say, don't take rhetoric for work. At the same time, don't confuse, they say don't confuse rhetoric for work. I love that. 
I would like to add on to that, let's not confuse sensationalism for real advancement. If imagery would have freed us as a people, I think that under the leadership of the Honorable Messiah, Dr. Marcus Messiah Garvey, and the Universal Negro Improvement Association African Community League, the UNIA, we have been freed. I don't think anyone put on grander parades or had more uh, pageantry to their organization than the UNIA ACLU, the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey. So pageantry and uniforms and pictures are not enough to sustain a real movement to sustain us in the change that is or in the day-to-day process of a revolutionary change. And when I say revolution, I'm speaking of a complete and total constructive change. It's not enough. So we encourage our youth to do their political studies, to form these think tanks and to put their minds together because after the destruction, after this war that many of these formations are training for, and I'm not trying to discourage them from training, but after all of this training and all the gunshots and all the burning and murder and all the, what about the rebuilding? See, uh, uh, this is where the love comes in. What about that process of the stage? What cultural philosophy will we have put in place that brings about unification? What economic system would have been put in place that ensures the prosperity of all its peoples and practitioners? What political government or what political ideology would we have put in place for a government that ensures the rights of the people are met and the people have the right and proper representation to a government. The importance of political education. The importance of, uh, this is the importance of political education. The importance of having these think tanks and these collectives. This is why I support our youth representative, Sister Jasmine, and encourage our young people to uh, have the opportunity and the privilege to be a member of this page that I forget the name of it and I don't misquote it, but it's for enlightenment and discussion. And, And every now and then when I'm afforded the opportunity, when my schedule permits and allows, I like to go through and read the exchange of ideas from these young minds, and I'm motivated, I'm encouraged that it won't just die with us. I'm encouraged. I'm inspired. And like Minister Khadija was saying, that us as older people should encourage our young people and create these forms because there has to be a new face. So this is what the People's Black Panther Party is offering, this new face in this new phase of revolutionary struggle because we're living in the Trump regime era. And living in this era, we have to be extremely vigilant and extremely careful on how we present ourselves. Well, I'm telling you, look at his cabinet. Look at his cabinet. He has his uh, 
White House strategists is known to have white nationalists, racist, white supremacist affiliations. He's in collusions and cahoots with Giuliani, who is the author of Stop and Frisk, the epitome of racial profiling, Stop and Frisk, infringing on, I believe it's a Third Amendment right, illegal search and seizure. It's your rights, your amendments, though we know this is a racist constitution and racist uh, amendments to the constitution, that even they are willing to violate the very laws that they say that they stand on. So we have to be extremely careful in how we present ourselves. And like the sister says, we are a political, self-determinist defense party. What does that mean? That means we have political goals and aspirations. We have political designs to be, and our political designs, our ultimate political designs, can be found in our 10-point platform. Point number 10 in what we want and what we believe. Look into what we believe. We believe that black people should have a plebeian site. What is a plebeian site? The plebeian site is a coming together of black people to decide what form of government will govern them. We believe in self-sufficiency and our own form of governing ourselves. We believe in this plebeian site. Point number 10. This is what we want. This is what we demand. You say, we're a political party. Why? You have these pastors come out, oh, we don't believe in politics. We don't deal with politics. You're not studying. You can't be. Your non-local objective, objective, I believe it's objective number four, and stepping in from any minister, if they have their manual to, don't let your chairman go off on a, on a tangent and be wrong. I don't have my manual in front of me. But I believe it's objective number four, maybe next objective number three, and the non-local objective saying that we must develop, defy, and defend black political power. What is black political power? What is black nationalism on political power? Our dear brother, the father, one of the fathers of black nationalism, I believe Martin Delaney is the father of black nationalism, but the spokesman of black nationalism has to be our dear brother Malcolm X. He said that black nationalism or black political nationalism or black political power is black people controlling the politics and the politicians, wherever they are the majority. Wherever they are the majority. So we believe, so this is what the People's Black Panther Party is. We believe to get into these city councils. My chairman down here in Atlanta is strong about doing that. Brother Hyrule, Big A. We'll go to the city councils and address these grievances. Why billions of dollars are floating around Atlanta, and we're in the most impoverished neighborhood. Billions of dollars for road work and road repair, and we're not seeing any of it. But these foreigners who have stores and plazas are getting built up. They're getting gardens in their plazas and new lights in their plazas, but it's money to be for the roads, for some of this public housing that are known as projects. But if we don't attend these city council meetings, if we don't know what's happening, we're ignorant to that. And it's such a shame. And it's such a shame. Why is it a shame? Because as Deputy Chair Fred Hampton Sr. said, politics is everything and everything is politics. 
man, I think I just lost someone. Someone I believe had their hand up. Come back on again, and we'll try to put you in. Politics is everything, and everything is politics. That you can't be divorced from that when you pay taxes and for our young people in school, school loans, water bills, rent, light bill. That's politics. Your money is going to empower a government that is oppressing, suppressing, and has police repression on you. And yet you don't get involved with politics. How, what the, what? So the People's Black Panther Party is a political party to that extent. To say this is where our resources is going. This is how they're zoning. What else must we do? We must control the curriculum in our schools. Encourage our parents to go back to PTA meetings, parent-teacher association meetings, to go to school board meetings. Find out what type of curriculum that you're pushing to my children. If you're enforcing my children, if you have a truancy law that will give you the right to send an agency, DFACS, Department of Children and Family Services, into my home to snatch my children because I didn't comply with sending them to your public brainwashing institution, then at the very least, I should be active and encourage other parents to be active in the curriculum that you're forcing my children to to digest. What does our 10-point platform say? It says we want a history. We want an education that teaches the true history of this decadence. This decadent, this decadent society and the black man and woman's role in this decadent society. We want a history that really teaches what happened during slavery. Why my son came in here and had a report on slavery, and he said, Dad, they're teaching us about slavery in school. I said, what was slavery? He said, slavery is when you worked all day and they didn't pay you. Like, Like a chore. Like taking out the garbage and not getting allowances. Is, is this what they're teaching about the worst human atrocity in history? But what do we expect when we allow the perpetrator of such a crime to teach us about this very crime? He's always going to downplay the damn crime. Let's go to our phone lines. 619. Nine nine seven nine. Your your the mic is open. Share with us. Black Power Chairman, this is uh national chief of staff, Brother War. Brother War, Black Power, sir. Hey, Black Power, uh you on the roll, brother, you on fire. I wanted to bring up one point that uh, I want to make sure our listen listening audience is taking note of. The deal is 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 where we've fallen off in terms of a lot of our our organizing as as African people especially here in the United States and some of our formations, our Panther formations, is the fact that a lot of the political education that we go over in, in the curriculum that we teach our membership does not entail leadership, does not entail administration. And that's one of the areas that we are addressing in the People's Black Panther Party is the fact that what, we want, what we're emphasizing is leadership building. Because with what we understand in terms of uh, what's happening with a lot of our organizing is is that we run into a, a brick wall in terms of the people not necessarily knowing what to do and how to do it. The problem is a lot of people are enthused and and have a 
lot of energy and want to help and want to be of assist. A lot of us come from a, 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 a malnutrition educational background, so to speak, mm-hmm. to where we may want to help, we may have all of the will, but don't have the necessary know-how. And a lot of times when it, as it applies to just basic education, if we don't have what it takes just to have a ability to, to educate ourselves and know what it, what it means to continually educate ourselves to the point to where we can be an effective organizer, we tend to stunt our growth as well as those around us. And we find that people, members, members would jump from, from formation to formation or organizer to organizer from the standpoint of not knowing where to fit in and, and how to go about fitting in because our basic um, self-study is, is, is thrown off. We don't hide it or we don't know how to go about it. Because some of the things that we're asking for in terms of trying to organize the people were obviously not taught to us in, in, in their educational system. Their educational system is not designed to teach us how to be uh, self-sufficient. It's not designed to teach us how to fulfill our own destiny, our own obligation, and build our own institutions and our own infrastructure. So we, are, we find ourselves a lot of times on an on a island, on an isolated island, trying to figure these things out. Well, so, but for whatever reason, those of us that do know and have somewhat of an understanding and a, a guidance on, on these ideas and points and, and need to deliver this have to be able to come forth and, and provide that. And that's one of the things that we're keying in on with this particular formation. So as members come into the People's Black Panther Party, we, we have a structure in place that deals with what we refer to as skill levels. And the first thing that we hit on is critical thinking. Because no matter how enthused somebody is in terms of trying to be able to bring something to the table and, and assist their people, if, they're not, if they don't have the ability to critically think and they don't have the ability to analyze a situation and be able to project and put things together in terms of having goals and processes in place to organize, then it, there is, there's very little they can do. And so from that standpoint, people find themselves doing the only thing they do know how to do, and that's protest. So a lot, of, a, a lot of times you'll find people caught up in just protesting and just agitation and fueling themselves off of their anger. And the reason they do that is because of, of, of a lot of times their lack of knowing what to do and how to do it. So we are obligated to be able to provide more guidance in terms of how members come into this and how members are able to organize and develop strategic and tactical ways of actually Putting, putting ourselves in positions of power and empowerment. So when we say black power, we actually have, have some concrete methodologies behind the concept of what, what it takes to achieve black power. When we talk about our 10-point platform and the points on the platform, we have some measures in place to go about how to achieve the, 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 uh, the objectives, goals and objectives of 10-point platform. When we talk about a, a, pleb- a plebiscite or developing our, our own new Africa, we got some concepts in terms of how to go about doing this. The problem with it, going back to one of the things you pointed out so eloquently, uh, Chairman, is a, a lot of our people are focusing too much on weaponry or, or well, I would say small arms, not even weaponry, but small arms and looking militant and looking mean. Again, that's because a lot of the real work, which is, which is living programs and, and how to develop ourselves, they don't have a clue on what to do. But we have to be self-studied, and we have to know how, and we have to be committed to the process. And the first process starts with that person, that mirror, looking in the mirror and finding out what is it is that I'm lacking that's causing our, our, the people, our condition to be the way it is. What can I do to improve myself 
so that I can be a good servant to the people. And we have to be willing to uncrystallize our concepts and uncrystallize ourselves in terms of being stagnated on our personal education and take and take up what's necessary to get us where we need to be. So if we're not, or if we don't know much about organizing, we don't know much about finance, we don't know much about the political process, then we have to do our own self-study, get where we need to be, or, or if, if, if we can find educational tools and programs, certifications or whatever that can enhance that process so that we can do uh, bring that to the table, then let's do that. But education doesn't simply mean Afrocentric training and and studying yes. historical events, it means learning how to organize it, learning how to run, run and be in positions of power, how to run departments, how to run an organization. And that's one of the things, the key points that a lot of us are missing, is that if we don't know how to actually be administrators, then what in the, what in the hell are we going to administer? So I just wanted right. to make, bring that point up, brother, and I want to make sure our people, our listeners, take heed to that, that it's, this is about leadership building. Because what we're doing, and going back to what uh, Sister Khadija was addressing with the minister you, let that minister you run. Let that minister you get out there and, and, and get on knees. And uh, not, not knees, let me not say that. Let run out there and, and, and do the, the, the groundwork that is necessary to build. Reason being, she's, she's a youth. That's going to motivate other mm-hmm. people to do that. That's going to motivate other people to get out and do what they need to do. And also, she's going to bump her head a little bit, but we're going to help her, help her be guided, and we're going to get her where she needs to be. And it's also, again, going to motivate other people around her to take note of that and, and, and each one teach one. As long as we're willing to, to, to take, and, and take on the workload and take on the responsibility, that right there helps build character. That right there helps build a relationship and helps get other people to see what they should be doing. When you have the youth leading the march like that, that'll make these older people get off their buttons and take knee and take uh, heed of what's going on. Take heed of the action that needs to take place. Join in and help. And it also mm-hmm. helps season her to be more effective and, and to be further along and to add and build to this foundation that we got that we're trying to put in place. So 10 years from now, May it be that she's not reinventing the same wheel that we've been we, that we've been spinning around in our hands, Black Power. Black Power. That's absolute. That's absolutely right. Let me see. Sorry about that. I okay. Black Power. Absolutely right. That is absolutely right. And that was our chief of staff. I think that that's and 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 that's one of the strong points I think too that uh, makes the difference between us and, and, and a lot of other formations, that we are not, this is not in a popularity contest for us. It's not for the mere show of it. And my chief of staff has went through, I mean, listen, he has uh, put in the work, and we have not just coming into the party an exam you have to go through, but an extensive class on leadership ability. This is very important. I hope that everyone listened to what he was saying about not just knowing the 10-point platform, non-local objectives, not just knowing the history of the Panthers, but how do you implement all of that? How do you organize? How do you work with other people? How do you, when we say minister, you know, and I heard the chief of staff say this one time, when we say minister, from a lot of us coming from a religious background, we think uh, uh, Reverend Goodflick, Reverend Hoovenhollow. Deacon Goodflip, not this type of minister, but an administrator. 
But how do you administrate? How is that done? And this is important for us. These are things that's important for us to know because this is what's going to sustain us through a revolutionary transformation period. It's not going to be what the brother said, the small arms or the rhetoric of uh, or a hate rhetoric and anger rhetoric, but it's going to be the emotion of love due to real a real skill set. And this at the People's Black Panther Party is what we're offering. And not just, we want to get it to where we want to do um, point number one in our objective, number one in our nine local objectives, and build a strong black power movement. So our long-term goal is to be able to reach across these lines to create a front where we can exchange ideas and information, allow other formations and people from other formations to utilize what we have, the theories that we have uh, prayerfully mastered through practice because we are actually doing this. We get some people that get it and we get some people that don't. We get people that come on there that love the easy route. They love to wear the cap without doing the work of the cap. They love the uniforms and the patches without putting in uh, the work that the patch and the uniform really symbolizes and stands for. So we're going to have people that go, but we are here to really do that, to implement, implement strong programs and to build and develop strong leaders. Like I always say to people on my quote, strong leaders don't need, strong people don't need strong leaders, but strong organizations. And a strong organization, a strong institute, sees the strength in a strong person and develops and cultivates a strong leader. Let's go to the phone line. Let's open it up. This is Independent Black Radio, People's Black Panther Party. Love and looking for your participation in your comments, questions, and opinions. 915-9145. Your mic is open. Uh, good evening, Chairman. Um, Black Power, uh, my name is Kim. I am part of the uh, Black Panther Party Queens. Um been listening very closely, and I'm I'm loving everything that you're saying. Um, the leadership piece um, is definitely a needed part. I'm relatively new um, coming in, so to speak, but I've been a part of it. I think since I was an embryo, um, I'm a little mm-hmm. older. Um, I do a lot of work with our youth, uh, um, especially our eighth graders and our um, our high schoolers, as well as our college students. And one of the things that I do um, talk to them about and emphasize is taking a more active role in the community. I've talked to several adults as well uh, who want to see things done in their community. And I've actually walked them through, because I've learned a lot, um, how they can belong to some of their uh, local uh, city and county boards and commissions where they make those decisions on zoning where they make those decisions on who gets what funding when the county funding comes in. Um, And I express to them, there's no degree needed to sit on those boards. They just need community citizens to sit on those boards. And you will get some leadership training. They will teach you the secrets on how to run that particular piece. Like here we have zoning boards. We have... um, 
we have uh, insurance boards, we have water rights, we have um, elderly boards, we have housing boards, neighborhood associations. None of them require a degree. What they do require are people in the community willing to volunteer their time once a month, and they can get people to volunteer. So mm-hmm. when I talk with people, um, they know me uh, in the community because I work, unfortunately, domestic violence, child abuse, sexual assault, and suicide. I've been doing that for quite some time. I love what I do. I've learned the resources. I've learned the who's who. Um, sometimes I bring them with me. Um, I show them the different boards. Um, you want to be on the board for the homeless shelter, do this and this, and boom, you're on it. You want to learn about zoning and, and voting and your, your neighborhoods and, and getting this park. You need to sit on this board, this commission, and that board. It doesn't take anything. I'll help you write your resume up and submit it to your district person. Boom, you're on. There's no – this is one of those areas where – the desire to want to have that political education without sitting in a classroom can be granted if you write out that piece of paperwork and submit it in a timely manner. And so you learn who's doing what. You learn when the money comes through. You learn how to vie for that money for your community. You can sit on that education board at the local level and you can look at the books that are being selected and you can have a voice in that. You don't need a degree. You just need the time. That's it. And someone to show. So in working with youth, I'm um, a mom of four. My youngest has already indicated that she might want to run for an office. Well, you know, I believe in growing your own. So, because she's seen me lead by example. She's seen me run programs. She's seen me, you know, feed people. She's seen me, you know, pick people up out of the gutter. She's seen me sitting on boards and making decisions, you know, and all of that. And she's like, I think I like that. So I'm going to help her with that piece and not going to shy away. She has two other friends that are interested in not my children, but they are my children. So it's there. And um, whenever I do community service, um, and some can attest by looking at my page, uh, I never get to do it by myself. I have a bunch of young adults or I have a bunch of high schoolers that want to come along. Um, They enjoy giving back. They enjoy, I guess we have fun when we're doing community work. They understand. I take a minute out. I talk to them before we even start, and I let them know this is why we're doing it, and this is how come – it needs to be done, and so they get motivated. Um, I don't subscribe to that concept that our youth are a waste. They're not. They are. They're listening. The question is, is what are you saying? Because they're mm-hmm. not dumb. And if you're not talking about anything worthwhile or substantial, of course they're not going to listen to you. I've never had an issue working with our high schoolers, working with our young college students. Um, right now I put together a uh, black business directory. Our city, or I should say our county, had one, but it fell by the wayside by the elders constantly squabbling with one another. And um, it was a very interesting process because I was even threatened not to do it by different mm. people. Um, and so in my head, I'm, 
originally from New Jersey, and I live in Texas, so I got that that East Coast mentality. If you're threatening me, then it must be something I need to do. You know, there's there's a reason, you know, so that's how I'm looking at it. So I'm on my second printing. They told me that there were no black-owned businesses in my area. Come to find out, I've got over 325 listed. So Mm. uh, somebody lied somewhere. And then in talking to some of these businesses, they were like, you know, we can't even find, you know, people to work. So I became active in the university here, got a whole black student union. They're looking for summer jobs. So guess what my next step is going to be, you know? And we're going to pull all this together to where these black businesses have a constant supply of young black people, and these black businesses are also tapping me on the shoulder, hey, we want to mentor Someone wants to be a photographer. Someone wants to be a CPA. Someone wants to be a doctor. We will gladly shadow free of charge. So guess where I'm getting ready to go with that. Um, and so it's just a matter. It's a lot of work. There is no lie. But we talk about leadership. We talk about how to approach. We talk about how to dress. Um, we talk about, you know, the struggles of being black in general and why we need to stick together. We talk about how long the black dollar stays in the community. We talk about building our own businesses without using those banks, but what's in our pocket and and us supporting one another. That's the whole point of doing the directory. So they all are intertwined. It is a lot of work. Um, I've been in the leadership position. I've also been a professor where I was um, the uh, critical thinking and ethics instructor for several years. So I do incorporate that critical thinking piece. Take away that emotion and let's look at it for what it is and how does it impact our people? What can we do better? Um, there's a lot to be done. Um, and I just wanted to put, you know, my two cents in just to say I'm so glad to hear this topic. And um, it just inspires me to keep on going because it's definitely a necessity. And, um, Lead them by example, not just by talking. And I yield. Black power. Right well, first, first, let me say I, I want to thank you for being on the line and for definitely representing a uh, formation that I have the utmost admiration and respect for. I think it's much needed, the work that you guys are doing and, and bringing that and the, getting the participation that you're getting and bringing awareness to our struggle as a people to, you know, a um, – to a demographic that has been probably boo-booed on extremely in the movement, not just from white male supremacy, but also a lot of times from my lack of understanding and our neo-colonialist thoughts and ideologies that we take with us. So I want to applaud you on that. But I have a question, if you don't mind. Yes, Chairman, no problem. It's cool. What's, so how do you engage, How? what are some of the ways that you engage the youth? How do you get them active? How do you get them interested in participating with the registry or going down to be to go sit in city council meetings or even possibly looking into what did you do to inspire your daughter to to be like, hey, you know what, one day I may want to run for an office? Um, Well, that's just it. Um, I come from a long line, generation of community people. I mean, I was a candy striper in the hospitals back at the age of nine when we could actually do stuff like that. Um, I was exposed to, you know, um, unfortunately, relatives who had gotten into a lot of trouble, drugs, incarceration, the works. Um, It didn't seem abnormal 
uh, to me at that time. Um, we thought abnormal. If you didn't have anyone who was incarcerated on drugs, we thought something was wrong with your family back then. Um, but I grew up learning, you know, the power of words. I grew up learning the power um, of the spirit and how it can be strong yet weak at the same time. I grew up with the understanding of imagination, of creativity, and knew that we as people were extremely creative, and it needs to be presented in that way with lots of energy and creativity, lots of life and lots of love. And so um, with that, uh, I started out with um, in high school with orphanages, uh, and my little brother for the, the, the big sister, big brother type program, uh, they actually gave my little brother back to his mother who later killed him by throwing him out of a window. And that was a whole reality check for me. And um, it was at that time where I made that decision, do I keep on this path? And any children I have will be exposed to that path. And so I made a commitment at that time. I think it was a sophomore in high school. Um, And so with that, um, I became involved with other organizations that took care of children of neglect, uh, which is called CASA. I think every just about every state has a CASA program. Um, I became part of victim services, actually going to crime scenes, um, unfortunately doing death notifications, taking families to the morgue to identify their, their, their family members, roping off crime scenes. I've seen so much. And then I married a man who was very much into community service as well. So that was fantastic. So he and I were on the same wavelength. And we made a commitment to express to our children at an age where they understood it. So if I was going to visit children who were abused, my children helped me pick out their coloring books and pick out Mm -hmm. little toys, you know, that they think that those children would, you know, be okay with. Um, and then as our children grew older and they started understanding, they would ask questions because kids in school talk. And they're talking mm-hmm. about a lot of things from sex to suicide. And my, cho- my daughters would come home and ask questions. And because of my education and my training and what I did, because I became a behavior health person in the field of chemical dependency, um, I would teach them, hey, this is this, this, this. I mean, I have a library here in my home of textbooks. That's over 2,000 textbooks in my home, every subject you can think of. So they can pull a book and say, no, this is how it's supposed to go. Um, and so uh, when they had uh, friends that were kicked out of their home, um, they would, you know, let my husband and I know, I should say my late husband and I know, and we made a, a decision at that point that if a child was kicked out, we would bring them in. And so um, we started uh, having our kids come with us to store food, freezers worth. Our pantries would be packed. So if anybody said that they didn't have food, um, we kept those plastic bags. They could come in and go shopping in our house for free. Um, We taught our children if there were kids in school that didn't have a lunch um, that the code word was, they were extra hungry, which means pack their lunch plus one, 
if they were extra, extra hungry, that means pack their lunch plus two. And that was how we kind of made it very normalized in our home. I, I couldn't tell you how many uh, children who have been beat up, cut, stabbed, thrown out um, into our home over the years. And I asked those questions, what happened? My children were right there. I didn't hide anything, neither did my husband. And they got to see the truth. And um, my kids sat with myself and 19 of my surrogate children. I got about 30 of them. And we watched the movie Armistad. And they were black, Hispanic, and white. And it was a one heck of a conversation. Um, we actually ate McDonald's that day. I put in an order for like 50 cheeseburgers and you know, 40 orders of French fries. They thought I was laughing until I gave my credit card over the phone. But mm-hmm. it was a very deep conversation. Um, I was cornrowing hair. Uh, some of the Hispanic girls wanted to learn how to cornrow hair. Um, some of the, uh, this was the only house that um, the gang members could actually take their colors off and put it in a basket because the rule in my home is you take your colors off, you pull your pants up, button up that shirt, come around the corner, give me a hug, and the refrigerator is that way. You know, that's the rule. And this was the only place that they could do that. They've actually seen me, uh, as well as my children, confront police because they wanted all of my kids, at the time there was about 25 of them in the house, they wanted them to come outside, and the cops came with, you know, their their battalions, and, and they wanted to just beat somebody, and that wasn't happening. And that was a conversation. So no matter what happened, we always had a conversation. I did not shield any of my children from that conversation. And my children were able to ask them, well, why did you choose this life? Why did you do this? And what is your next plan? And it was nothing negative. It was all in love. Um, Mm -hmm. To this very day, I hear from them. They are doing well. Um, some have gotten back in trouble, but they know I'll put some money on their books. It's no biggie. I mean, I love them to death. Um, we have taken them to the hospital, gotten fixed up. We faced their parents. Um, their parents know me. Um, when my husband passed, our family took up seven rows in the church. So, Mm. (laughs) um, about 18 of the kids came in for the funeral. And we're talking bloods, crips, we're talking everything you can think of. And they miss him very much. So my daughters are very much aware. My son is very much aware. So now their friends have grown up, and now they're doing the same. And I'm hearing more, well, what can we do in the community? Well, we're going to plan an event in May. Um, I've shown them how to get on some of these boards and commissions. And they're excited and you know, thinking of doing, you know, shows and some other things, and they're, want, they're wanting to help. Um, I'm going to take my business from my home and, and, and actually create a business where they can come and they're going to learn how to run my business with my oversight. So they're excited with that. And, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of money. I've been saving. So um, yeah. it's going to get done. And the revolution costs money. So... I'm doing what I can, you know, in my little neck of the woods, and I yield. Well, well, well uh-huh. one of the, the I'm sorry, that's, 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 that's 
profound. And one of the main parts I see, was that you, Sister Justice? Did you want to speak? I'm sorry, before. Yeah, yeah, yes, sir, Black Power. I'm, I'm really, um, I'm, I'm really ecstatic that we have another woman or somebody else that does that's out there in the trenches really doing the work. A lot of the problem with the young people, like you were saying, you used to um, work as a candy striper. I worked as a candy striper. I remember that. I grew up in New York. And right. the problems now is that um, they don't really want our children in the hospital. They keep they keep our young people out of everything with all these different laws. Here, you can't be a part of any of the, these boards. I'm in New Jersey now. Um, but you can't be a part of any of these boards unless you, unless you get elected to them. Uh, and that election process does not include anybody under 18. So it's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of where the problems come in at when we try to uh, involve the young people in things because they're excluded by um, what I call structural violence, which means they make sure that everything is structured so there's absolutely nothing for them to do but find, but get into some sort of trouble. Um, it's, it's, uh, my own children, uh, I'm amazed because my own children, the only thing they did was get jealous <laughs> of all of, of all of the things that I was doing in the community. They would get jealous of it. And, um, <clears throat> my son just called me. Can you call me? Like I'm, I'm on a radio show right now. And the thing about that is he, he'll get angry, you know, like, oh, everybody gets time but me, you know? <laughs> so I'm really glad that they, cause they grew up in it. They grew up in this, uh, they grew up in, 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 in the community aspect of doing things for the community and whatnot, and I'm wondering when they're going to come around to actually doing something themselves. But um, I applaud you, sister. I applaud you. I applaud you. Like power, and that's the end of what I have to say right now. But what do you say, Brother Chairman, when you have uh, a, a, a structure that's set up so that the, the young people can't do anything by law, mm-hmm. like power? Mm-hmm. Black Power. I, I think, you know, both profound things, and I thank the sister for really coming. I think she did a wonderful job. I thank her for that. You're right, and you're absolutely right, uh, Dr. Jeffrey. Unfortunately, a lot of the laws and the way the system is now is starting to design to, to uh, exclude our young people, to deter them, to steal their motivation and their aspirations, to really be involved with the whole process. But what, one of the things that I noticed is that's what you call what the sister did and what you do and what we came up doing, you know, as I came up as a cub in that era, was that everything was grassroots. You know, we start the pantries. We feed the brothers and sisters or the young people that may not uh, uh, have things to eat. This is one of the reasons why I was talking about, and I tell my people in the different cities, start up a liberation school. Start a liberation school. What's a liberation school? What does that look like? It doesn't have to be this grandiose building, you know, this big, nothing really elaborate. Even if you have to start it in your living room. A liberation school, when I first came up, when I was a cub, was something that they did on Saturday to offset the brainwashing we received Monday through Friday. You maybe do it Saturday from 10 to 2, 3. And not only does this help to offset what we receive Monday through Friday, we know in a lot of instances the only time our children are eating at least, at least 
twice a day is when they go to school with the free lunch program. On a lot of weekends, they don't eat. They eat one meal a day if they eat at all. So a liberation school would also help to feed them. And we know a lot of times, too, in our community, those of us that are social scientists that have really been in the trenches, we know that when we reach the children, it starts to bring the parents. How many times have something been going on and we say, uh, and I can remember coming up as a young one with my mother, my mother say, go down there and see what them folk doing. Go down there and see what they're giving away. We were scouts. And if the ch- you know, you remember those days. Go see what them That's folks right. doing down there. So if we start to, uh, they come and we have these liberation schools and they say, Mama, this is the Panthers. And on Saturdays they give out sandwiches and chips and they feed us and they taught us this and they're coming in with the little coloring page or the little uh, uh, black history note or something. This starts to inspire the adults, and you offer invites. Go knock on the door. Make the children break a permission slip. So this gives you the parent's number and an excuse to go knock on the door. And then we go into what Chief War was talking about, leadership, parenting, having these type of classes. This is why I'm glad that we have people like Dr. Justice. And I hope, sister, with the Black Panther Party Queens, we can, you know, because I work with Sister Williams, that we can start to strengthen this alliance that we have and we can learn from one another, build from one another, and that we can start to learn some of these skills that you have to go in and to help since you've dealt with abused children and um, people who have these uh, uh, sicknesses that would abuse children and maybe learn how to deal with them psychologically, that we can go in and start to help teach methods to, to, to deal with some of the trauma from the day-to-day living that expresses itself in abusive behavior, whether that be drug abuse, substance abuse, or physical abuse to our spouses and our children. This is what the People's Black Panther Party is here to address, the day-to-day struggle. We understand that revolution is not an event but a process, you see. So we want to start to do things that encourage our people to not only come and check us out, See, we're not looking for the numbers we, and, and to put on a fancy uniform and they say, hey, I belong to the Panthers. But we want the masses of people who France Fanon calls the lumping proletarian, the, that lumping class. The proletarian, they say, is the working class. The lumping is under the working class, whom Karl Marx said the undesirable. But this European Karl Marx said that this undesirable, this lumping, does not have the capacity to retain revolutionary understanding, so they're only good for cannon fodder. They're only good to be bullet catchers or to be frontline fighters. But Fran Fanon and Huey P. Newton proved that that wasn't true. This lumping you will find in the black community is predominantly the black community. That brother or sister that's working sporadically, that's finding uh, means where they can. You see, so we go to the lumping and we create programs that are inviting and they come check us out. And when they come check us out through these programs, then we start to, this is when we get to utilize 
these leadership trainings that we get from brother war classes or the political education classes that eventually that soon will be coming and the other classes that we get from the other brothers and sisters that we're that we work in conjunction with like the queens and other formations to implement to the lumpen to not only give them a sense of dignity you see because when you can have some problem solving skills you realize you're not an animal that instills a sense of dignity you don't have to resort to animalistic behavior you so that sense of dignity comes about and when that sense of dignity becomes a good a good feeling starts to come over you, and you start to seek solutions for everything. You start to think things out. And we want to be that, that group, that catalyst that provides the tools for problem-solving and cognitive thinking that says you, African brother and sister, are not an animal. But since you've been fed a wrong diet, not just a physical diet, but a wrong psychological diet, you've been fed uh, – a square peg to put in a round hole and it doesn't fit for your African self. But here are skills and tools to address the issues. That, and that sense of dignity comes over this, and you will find them, like they say, when you know better, you do better. So this is what we want to provide for our, for our people. And liberation schools are good ways to do that. We take two or three children on a weekend, two or three kids that can start out. You see, and in our meetings in Atlanta, what we did, you know, what we did in Atlanta, and I had got this from, at that time, being my co-chair at that time and uh, my chief of staff at that time, when she would always say, why so much emphasis on money? Doesn't need to be a lot of emphasis on money. So what we did to membership and people come to the meetings, bring a canned good, bring something to help us to, to start to fill our pantry. A lot of them don't have money, but they get food stamps. Bring a canned good to allow us to fill the pantries, like the sister was talking about having pantries. I'm going to encourage every chapter I have to start to build and develop a pantry. You know, things of this nature. So we find that we have the resources in our community. I was reading the uh, Blueprint for Black Power by Amos Wilson. And he talks about people in power, organizational power. And he says a lot of times the people in power is not because they have more resources or they have a greater net worth, but because they out-organize the people they oppress. They would have us to think that there's no resources in our community or no money in our community. But it's strange that you will find foreigners that have shops in our community. So it's something coming up out of here. But due to a lack of identity. And when you lack identity, then you lack a social consciousness. You lack the uh, understanding of a uh, accountability to your, to your people. Because you lack this identity. You lack the accountability the sense of accountability and responsibility to the advancement of your people. You see? And this is what some of the things that we have to start to implement, but what does that come from? That comes from a strong cultural awareness and love. And love. 
This is why I warn against so much of the hate speech or the hate mongering. Like I said, anger is different. Anger is different. We should have a righteous indignation. We should have a righteous anger for injustices, for oppression, for all the things that our that our ten point platform speaks of: criminal colonial settlerism, Zionism, sexism. All of these isms lend to the destruction and hindrance of the development and evolution of humanity. We should have an, an anger, and, and I would even say a hatred, a constructed hatred, a directed hatred towards those particular things. But a rage, a blind rage can't be contained, and what ends up happening is we start raging and hating our own people, and we say, look at that nigger. And an unfeathered rage, an unfettered rage, a untamed rage, when we say, look at that nigger, we no longer realize that that is a symptom of a sickness that has been beat socially, culturally, psychologically, emotionally, financially into this human being. There's no such place as nigger land. Where's nigger land? So we understand that their type of nigger, this concept of nigger that they have has been has been beating us. But when you love, then you understand when, like, I'm in these trenches and he say nigger. I don't get caught up in the word, but the feeling. I had someone tell me something. They was asking someone uh, a question. And the person, and he said, how did you feel about it? And the person went to explaining the facts of it. And he said, I don't want the facts. I want the feeling. We can get into the the uh, the, the wording, oh, niggas this, niggas that. And then it, it, it reminds me going into with the Moors, using the word black, and are we really African? And we can get into all of that and get caught up in it. But what is the feeling? behind all this. What is the sentiment? What are you trying to say? So this self-determination and this self-sufficiency has to be born and 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 birthed and empowered and developed out of this American experience that we've been placed in. And these are what our programs have to address step by step by step by step. Like Chief Ward was saying, leadership programs to develop these leaders to uh, deal with and address the problems that affect us and why we, why we try to uh, deal with the problems the way that we deal with them. What has taught us to think that we think? What building blocks are we using? To come away from intimidating and bullying, oh, you don't have an African name, brother. You don't wear this African clothes or you still eating this certain type of food. To ostracize and shun someone into compliance. Isn't this what the oppressor does? Doesn't he practice social and cultural terrorism against us? You know he does. A lot of us still fall victim to it. You think I'm playing? Listen to the next time you talk on the phone when your boss calls you. Watch how your voice is. Ah, yes, how are you? Yes. I know brothers take, I have to take base out of their voice. Don't we worry about being too epic on the job? I can't wear this. I can't wear my hair in locks. I better not wear this African medallion or that thing, anything that represents my ethnicity. Because you've been socially and culturally 
terrorized. Do you think any people, do you think the Asian worries about being too Asian around you? The Latino worries about being too Latino around you? In fact, when he doesn't want you to know what he's talking about, he speaks Spanish. They don't worry about being too Latino around you. So until we have these programs that implement strong self-worth that will lead to self-determination, and this is why the importance to go again to, to, to say what Chief Ward, to re- reiterate what Chief Ward was saying, leadership programs, because once you know how to deal with problems, once you have the ability to problem solve, you have a sense of self-worth. You ever seen a child accomplish something that they've tried and been trying to accomplish and they finally achieve it? Look at the glow on their face. Look how they beam. They run and come get you. My son does backflips. When he finally was able to do a backflip without hands, I had to be the first one to eat. You know he had to come get that. Look, Daddy. Did you see it? Let me show you again, Daddy. I don't know if you were watching, but let me show you again, Daddy. And now those backflips have went to some other awesome type of stuff that he does that I, has me concerned. Boy, don't break your neck. This is what a sense of self-worth and self-pride will do, and this is what we try to give our people at the People's Black Panther Party. And in my conclusion and ending it, I extend the hand of camaraderie and friendship and alliance and allegiance with any progressive African organization, any progressive anti-oppressive organization that is for the advancement and empowerment and liberation of African people in America. You will find our doors open. If you can't uh, reach me, then my uh, um, chief or my uh, justice, minister of justice, we can be reached. Reach out, hit our page, People's Black Panther Party. I want to thank everyone who took the time on this Monday night to tune in and to listen, everyone who shared their experiences and their know-how and came together. And this, you have my word, that you will find us from this day since we've been blessed to have this radio program more consistent, and I would like to have frequency. So our next program will be Wednesday. We did one today. Our next program will be Wednesday at the same time. Invite a friend. You know, share, comment, go to our page if you'd like to um, uh, contribute to a topic or have us dis- discuss something. Look at, look up our page again, People's Black Panther Party, People's Black Panther Party, all caps. You know, hit that or hit me on Facebook, Brother Yanga and Kuma. You can inbox me or whatever if you have an idea for a topic. This is our voice, our opportunity to come together, to build together to discuss things together. There again, with that, uh, I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to give my five minutes. I'm going to ask my ministers, do they have anything that they would like to say? Uh, Dr. Justice. Yes, sir. Anything you would like to add? I'd like to uh, give my turn to uh, Brother Hakeem Blackman. I happened to see one of his uh, his videos uh, on, on uh, and I hit him up and asked him to come on and say something because it's very, you know, um, if it bothered him enough to be able to have to put a video up about Where's it, I think we need to, he said that he was on. Press one. My brother, you talking about my brother, Hakeem, not a little? Hakeem Blackman? Oh, 
Out of Kentucky, yeah. Yeah, I think that's him. Yeah, that's my that's my personal dude. That's y'all know Hakeem. Personally, Hakeem and I sold you together. Now I don't see him on here. Um, he said he was on, but um, I really am. Um, I really think that this was productive, and I would sure like to hear more of it because I think that people are looking for solutions, and we are solution oriented party. The People's Black Panther Party. Um, we uh, and we have like we have Brother War telling us to put our pamphlets together for our departments, and I think that 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 um, will soon come uh, from the Department of Law and Justice because uh, there's a lot of things getting ready to come down the pipe. But I'm going to share the time, and um, sir, and as usual, this has been awesome. You have done an awesome job once again. Black Power. Black Power. Thank you. Okay, wait a minute. I do have uh, Hakeem. Let me get Brother Hakeem. Black Power, Brother Hakeem. Hey, Black Power, how you doing, my brother? Man, I'm good, brother, man. How's it in Louisville? Man, long time, no time. I can't wait to get back up there and get with you, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'll be uh, very soon be moving out of Louisville. I won't be here too long, but, but you know, I've been trying to, you know, put the message out because I've just been seeing a lot of stuff and, you know, in different, you know, black organizations and, and, uh, you know, things that I see that I think that, you know, a lot of people's arrogant and nigger mess is basically destroying, you know, basically, you know, destroying good members and good people that may want to be a part of, you know, these black organizations, you know. But uh, but the reason she sister called me on here is to talk about that. But I just want to say, I'm not going to be long, but I just want to say, you know, one thing we have to do is remove the nigger mess, you know, the nigger mentality out of our mind when we are joining these black organizations. You cannot carry the same type of mentality in these streets that you carry into your black organization. And I believe that's why a lot of the organizations is not successful, is not going nowhere, is because, you know, you have a lot of brothers and sisters that are joined the organization with, you know, with these titles and it goes to their head, and, and they abuse and misuse and abuse people. So, you know, so what ended up happening, you know, somebody ended up joining the group, and then, you know, your arrogance and your nigger mess, you know, run them back, and they'll go right back in the streets, and, you know, why do I want to be in this black organization? And, and the same thing that I, I so-called left the streets for is right in here doing, they doing basically the same exactly thing. So I just think people got to get themselves together, and we got to really look at ourselves and look at ourselves personally, you know, and find out, you know, we have to, you know, but we quick to want to, you know, talk about how we hate the white man, but at the same time, we quick to fight our own brother, you know, want ready to fight our brother, ready to fight our sister, but we, you know, but you know, and I, you know, I just think we have to look at ourselves before, you know, if we really want to get some change in our community. But go ahead, brother. I can't, because we're only down to three minutes. Listen, brother, because we're going to do a show again Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Can I get you mm-hmm. Can I get you to commit to Wednesday at 8? And let's talk, and that, let that be the topic of the show, nigger mess, in the black formation. Okay. Formations. okay. You know, yes, on. sir. And listen, I am so glad you called in, and I got to send a plug out till you blow your head up. I had an opportunity to soldier with this brother. This is my boy here. We used to hit them streets in, in yes, Louisville. Sir. And I know, boy, Hakeem, because I remember when Hakeem was holding down the party in Louisville when it wasn't a party in Louisville. 
Yeah, that's this right. how far back I go, I go with the brother here. So definitely, Hakeem, man. I mean, you got my personal number, brother. Call me, man. I'm holding okay. you to that, bro. I'm holding you to okay. that, man. Yes, right. sir. I'll, I'll be that, brother. Just, just remind me and put, uh, remind me on Facebook because you know I've been so busy okay. dealing with my family and stuff like this. Remind me on Facebook. Okay, I sure will, man. So I'm, I'm gonna remind okay. you. That's what we're gonna do on Wednesday. Listen, we got two minutes and stuff. Where Will at, man? Will it, man? He good? Who? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, he's doing good, bro. That brother just got yeah. out of prison. Yeah, he's doing good. Okay. Tell the brother I said yeah, he's calling his brother Jihad now. Okay. I'll show oh, you, brother. Jihad, and I said, yes, Raheem ain't still ain't calling me from down here. You said Raheem in the A. He still ain't contact. But if you get in contact with him, give him my number, brother. We'll talk. You and I will Okay, talk. I will, brother. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, listen, man, I, I want to thank everyone again. For um, tuning in, you heard Brother Hakeem Blackman, like I said, soldier with the brother, man, good brother. Our next Wednesday, contact, get back with us Wednesday. It'll be Nigga Master in the Black Formation. I'm sure that's going to be a show for you, you know. Um, tell a friend, let's all get on, let's, let's, you know, let's all get on, let's do the thing. With that being said, all powers to the people, all powers to oppressed people, African power to an African people, and black power.